Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the One Word Podcast. I am Irene Petrie, Pastor Irene Petrie, along with my wife, hello, Star. Hello, hello, hello. And I am so happy to have you. I'm happy to have her together on this podcast here today. It is such a blessed day. Amen. We thank God for this day, and we thank God for His uh, grace, His unfailing mercy, and love for us. Now, I have my wife on here with me today for a special reason. Uh, she's my help. that's it that's it that's 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 as deep as it gets she (laughs) she is my help and she helps me i tell her all the time that uh i feel better smarter stronger more capable with her than i than i am by myself it's the truth oh man it's the truth it's it's absolutely the truth and so she's here with me because of some very important um subject matter we're going to deal with today and talk about on this podcast. And you know, sometimes on the podcast, you can have something you want to share and that you can share uh, just on your own by yourself, just kind of intimately want to share it one-on-one with the people. But then there are things you you get, you feel like you need to, as they say, chop it up with someone else and, and talk talk about it and talk through it with someone else. And this is one of those things. If you followed the podcast in the last episode, if you saw us last week, we talked about culture matters, mm-hmm. and uh, we started down a road of discussing particular things in culture and particular aspects of the culture that I think uh, we hit on some things that I think are important to continue to discuss and continue to talk about um, as children of God. So much of the time, Christian people can sometimes be uh, frightened away from certain subjects, we kind of, you know, certain things are taboo or certain things are, are like a, a lightning rod in, in the culture, and so people don't want to say anything about them or they'll stay away from them. But whatever the Word gives us right to talk about, whatever the Word empowers us and informs us is important, we have ground to stand on, and we should stand on it, and we should stand for it, mm-hmm. and we should not be hesitant, we should not be dubious and irresolute and double-minded about it, we should stand firm. Uh, because that's the role we play in culture. And so we talked about culture matters uh, last week, and we're going to continue that discussion this week. And we're going to kind of allow this discussion to organically go where it goes. We were really kind of <laughs> taking uh, our discussions sometimes that we have at home and bringing them really and making them public. You know, at home, she'd be wearing me out. I mean, <laughs> she, she's she's tough. No, that's not true. She t- I she just gets, pull on the pastor. I no, pull she, she, on the pastor. <laughs> she gets in public and she becomes very demure and very, uh, <laughs> very, very, <laughs> very laid back and very quiet and very uh, reserved. And then at home, she just unloads like a fire no, hose on me. This is your and she, show. She calls me to the carpet. This is your show. No, no, so no, no. I'm, I'm a guest. I don't. I no, don't come no, in no. And that, kick the door down and say, "Let me." You know, take up fifteen minutes on my on my soapbox. This I appreciate not my show. <laughs> I appreciate your deference, but yeah. as my wife and as my invited host, you know, yeah. when somebody invites you, you just you come in, you you you, in. you you just sit down and act like you 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 belong there and you got something to say. Mm-hmm. But uh, as my invited guest and as my wife, I definitely value uh, your input. You wouldn't be my wife <laughs> if I didn't. <laughs> okay. That's the way that works. That's the way it but, works. But seriously, no, I value what you say. I value what you have to add to anything that the Spirit of God puts on my heart to talk about because we indeed are one. So we're not going to belabor any more time. We're going to jump right into this. And I want to use, as always, a foundational text to screw everything kind of down to because any discussion needs to have proper parameters, proper context, definition, <clears throat> because so much of the time 
we are just another set of talking heads amidst millions of talking heads in the world. And so in order to differentiate ourselves somewhat, not necessarily from others, but to make sure that we do our due diligence and, and add value to the hour and not just talking here, we're going to add the Word of God because we believe ultimately everything must start with and must center around what God says. Amen. And so Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching verse number 13, very familiar passage of Scripture. I don't even really have to read it myself or read it to you. You pretty much know it by heart, and you'll know when it starts, where Jesus says to his disciples when he's teaching after the Beatitudes, you are, he says, the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, this is New King James, King James will say savor, loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, <clears throat> whether you know it or not, when you see this verse of Scripture, you see the license, the liberty, and the responsibility, if you would, mm -hmm. Jesus gives to us as his children and as disciples, children who follow after his discipline, um, the, this responsibility to be an influence in the earth. Right. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, we know salt is a preserver. Salt has been used for some of everything. At one point, I think salt was even a form of currency. Mm -hmm. I mean, salt is... Throughout years, salt has been used for so many things. But here Jesus is talking about being salt that preserves. You are the salt of the earth. He says, but if the salt loses its flavor, if it loses its ability to salt, then wherewith shall it be salted or how will it be salted? You can look at that actually two ways. You could say, how will, it, how will the earth be salted if we, are, we lose our, our flavor? Or how will the salt be resalted if it loses flavor? And, and, and I think both ways are very, very pertinent. We could take it either way. Uh -huh. But in this particular regard, it's talking about salt, lose, salt, who we are in the earth, being able to preserve the earth, and saying if we lose our flavor, our savor, we're then good for nothing but to be tossed out and trampled under the foot of men. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at this entire example, this analogy, what Jesus uses, or what could you call this, a metaphor even, or, or something or other? Or, I don't know. I wasn't good in, in <laughs> metaphor, simile, I wasn't good in all yeah. that. You know, but at the end of the day, it's an analogy, and it's something that's used as an example to us in the natural of a spiritual truth. Hmm. So if Jesus is telling us we are the salt, now I want us to think about this because this has to be understood. If Jesus tells me I'm salt, then that means... I have a responsibility to impart something. Right. So he's talking about our responsibility to impart, to be able to impart, mm -hmm. to be able to influence. And he says, and if I lose that, then I'm good for nothing. Right. And I'll be trampled on the foot of men. One, one of the translations, when you look these words up in the Greek language, where it loses its, its, its savor or its flavor, it actually means to be considered foolish or to be uh, or to something to become foolish or valueless or just nothing, right? And so if the church allows itself to lose its savor, its ability to impart, 
then we become good for nothing. And then where is the earth going to get its salt? Hmm. Where is it going to get its preservation? Where is it going to get its keeping? If we lose our savor, then we have to ask ourselves, if God is giving us the permission to impart, impart what? Mm-hmm. What are we imparting? What are we supposed to be imparting while we're here? What does salt mean that we are supposed to impart into the earth? Yeah. And so these things taken together give us a construct for why we're talking about our culture and our role as the church in culture. Because so much is said about culture, it's a buzzword, it's used a lot, everybody talks about it all the time. Mm-hmm. But as we discussed on the last podcast, very often it goes undefined. It goes, we, we just say culture. <laughs> and, and it's the culture. And many times when people are talking about culture, they're talking about kind of uh, superficial things. They're talking about dress, they're talking about music, they're talking about arts and entertainment. They're talking about the language, even race. Absolutely, they, they talk about race as well. You yeah. t- you have things that are racially specific, that mm-hmm. culture, uh, and people are always talking about these things. But truly, culture really can be defined in one word: values. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What are our values? So, culture is values. Yeah. Music, dress, language, all of that external stuff. Those things are superficial carriers of a culture. Mm-hmm. They don't like. I'll listen to, <laughs> I'll listen to artists on television and stuff talk about how you know we shape culture and so forth and so on. And I sit there and shake my head at them because they don't understand. They're not shaping anything. Mm-mm. They're carrying it. Absolutely. You're you're being a, an errand boy for culture. Absolutely. You're not so much shaping anything because culture is values. You're just so a slave to it. You're a slave to it. Mm-hmm. The music is not shaping culture. The music is giving voice to a culture already established. Right. Because the culture are the values. So you can ask yourself, what's behind your music? Yeah. So you're writing it, and you feel like you were creative with it, but what informs the lyric of and the message of the music? Mm-hmm. See, that is the actual culture. Yeah, the culture is what brings that to prominence, what gives it mm. actual, like you said, value, Yeah. right? It's the mechanisms behind it that actually give it value. Mm-hmm. That's the culture. Whoever's, That's the culture. Whoever's pushing and, and moving that forward. Whoever is shaping, shaping the that. belief, Absolutely. right? The belief that would even make the music, what people wanted to hear. Yeah. You see, because before, before people will, will take something in, there has to be a reason why yeah. established. And really, that's where you see the shaping of culture. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not the superficial stuff. Like, the way we dress now, people think, oh, that's a part of the culture well, yes, a part of the culture, but it's very superficial. Like, that's not, that's not the thing. Mm-hmm. There are beliefs, philosophies, there are values that inform the way we dress, right? So when we've gone from a more conservative style of dress for both men and women yes. to one that is much more uh, uh, body-centered to where we want to showcase our revealing. bodies, <laughs> revealing, some, what, scantily clad, you showing all kinds of things, even stuff is extremely tight. Yes. <laughs> things are, we, across gender lines. Across gender you're, lines. You're watching uh, uh, men put on you know, body suits oh that look like, goodness. 
I don't think that was created for you, but I could be wrong. I could be (laughs) wrong. Absolutely. But now people think they are being a part of the culture, and they are, but they're on the superficial end of it. They're actually the the pantomime dancing on the end of the string. The culture is shaped higher up. The beliefs, the the values that are informing the dress, Mm -hmm. why you look in the mirror and decide to put that on, right? That... You put it on and you think you're part of the culture, but the culture is really what's behind why you did that, the beliefs and the values that are in the world. So saying all of that to say, when culture changes, value changes. That's what we're talking about, the shift and change of values. Mm. That's all culture is. It's not deep. It's not esoteric. Values. What do we believe? What are our values? And values are what are we willing to pay a price for? Sure. Right? And so with that being the definition, the the context of our discussion, now we see what Jesus says to us and why it's so pertinent to us as believers. Because if we're the salt of the earth, that means we're supposed to be imparting his values. Mm -hmm. Right? So the church should always be imparting God's values. So being a person who is trying to um, win the culture, being a person who is in culture. We sometimes we say, you know, I'm in the culture for Christ, and I'm trying to do this <laughs> and that and the other. Wonderful. Okay, so you're infiltrated. So you're salt. You're out of the shaker, and you're sprinkled into the earth. What are you imparting? Yeah. What are you imparting? Are you imparting the values of God's kingdom? Or are we finding ourselves being swallowed up and assimilating into culture to the point we're losing our savor. Hmm. You see what I mean? To where now we look up and we don't have the ability to impart. Because here's the one thing that I've learned, and then, sweetheart, I'll let you, let you, you, you talk. One of the things I've learned as a pastor, as a father, as a husband— in playing all the different roles of my life, the ability to impart is only possible where respect has been maintained. Absolutely. Respect is the medium over which impartation flows. Mm -hmm. You don't get any impartation from anyone you don't respect. Mm -hmm. Right? So respect must be present. It must be maintained. And where there is respect, there is now the platform, the medium by which impartation can take place. Absolutely. If I maintain the respect of my children, I will always be able to reach them, guide them, teach them, show them, because, res- because respect is that medium. So I have to make sure that I do nothing to lose my child's respect, mm-hmm. because if I lose their respect, I lose my ability to impart. Mm-hmm. Same is true in a marriage. If I lose your respect, and by the grace of God, I haven't after 15 years. Amen. Amen. (laughs) But no, if I were to lose your respect, Mm -hmm. right, then I lose my ability to impart. Mm -hmm. I lose my ability to get you to support and buy into my visions, my desires, my goals, my drive, what I'm after, what I'm doing. I lose all ability to impart because I've lost respect. Mm -hmm. If I lose respect of my congregation as a pastor, I lose my ability to impart. So I lose, if you would, my savor. 
So respect, really, respect really is the saver. So as the church, as the salt of the earth, here we are as the salt of the earth, we have to make sure that our conduct behavior, our stand, our integrity as the church does not cause us to lose respect. Because if we lose respect, we're losing savor. So we lose the ability to impart the values of our kingdom into the culture. Yeah. And so much of the time, we're, we're talking about a whole lot of things we need to do. We're trying to be innovative. We're trying to be creative. We're trying to do all of these things, but nobody's monitoring the level of respect that we have. And whether or not we may be fumbling it. <laughs> because if we fumble the respect, you lose the ability to impart. Yeah. And if you're not imparting kingdom values, then what in the world are you doing? What are we doing? That, that is the essence of purpose, sure. right? That's the essence of purpose for the child of God, that I'm able to take that that is of, my, of God's kingdom and of the kingdom that I live in and impart it to someone else, to be on this, this, this lifelong rescue mission of the lost and the broken and the heartbroken and the destitute, to be able to impart to them and show them, as, as one, one person said, being one beggar who's found the bread, going to tell another beggar where I found it, yeah. right? Yeah. But if I lose respect... I can't lead them to the bread. Hmm. And so much is going on in our culture today with us as the church that it gives me concern that we're losing flavor. Yeah. And so with that. (laughs) You're going to just kind of pitch it to me after all of that. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. That's that's tough to follow. No, it's not, baby. That's good. um, You got it. Just amen, amen to all of that. I think what what happens though is that we we lean to the relationship like we talked about last week but the relationship that we're seeking is one of the human connection and the humankind because we're pulled and we're drawn by the passions and the lusts and the things of this world that are very much ever present with us right we are inundated with the things of this life And social media has made that an even greater pressure because now you can blow up in an instant and you can find yourself in a whirlwind tour of popularity simply because you said the right thing about the subject du jour, whatever Mm. that may be at the time. But I want to point us to Matthew 10, um, verse 24, because I think we forget about this. And it says, a disciple is not above his teacher, Mm. nor a servant above his master. And so rather than me being busy trying to create for myself a life that really is set apart from Christ when I'm seeking after those worldly things, like I'm, I'm just trying to ride Christ's coattails, right? His, yeah. his moral underpinnings and foundations give me some stance to say I'm a little different, right? I'm yeah. not exactly as wild as the rest of you guys, <laughs> but, but I can still do a little bit, right? Yeah. I don't mind. I can have a wine cooler every once in a while. <laughs> I can hang yeah. out in Smokefield clubs, but I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm I'm just here, yeah. you know what I mean? In, just, but not of. I'm in, but not of, right? <laughs> but Jesus tells us very assuredly that we're not going to be above him. Mm. So if we're truly following him, there is something to this thing about me being despised and not being readily, you know, <laughs> just 
taken in like you're the best thing since sliced yeah, bread. That's that right. people will feel a little standoffish because my life and their life they don't match. They They're there's different. there's no agreement there. <laughs> and so there is going to be that issue. So mm. in verse 25 it says it's enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Mm. And he goes on therefore don't fear them, blah 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. But the the great point of that is that we understand that whom we serve will be recognized if we're truly busy about the business of serving him yeah. and not serving ourselves, not serving our personal passions mm. and our aspirations, which I get it because we all have them. And we've talked about this before, but there is no greater, there's no greater calling than to be who he has called me to be. And that Man. means being on the outskirts of society and all, Walking no. in a completely different realm. Because guess what? I want all the blessing God's got. No doubt. Right? I want all the peace he can afford. No doubt. I want, <laughs> I want everything that, that his book, all those promises, I'm ready to receive those. Yeah. But I'm not so quick to say, I will follow you mm. in the way that you've told me to follow you. I mean, I want those things. But I kind of want to follow you and still be cool and be accepted <laughs> Um, and I want people to call me and text me and I want them to invite me to the Grammys. And I want to mm-hmm. I want to be in those circles and in those rooms, yeah. because to us, that is credibility. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Validation. your ministry has yeah. been validated because people feel like they can invite you. But is that how we should feel? Mm. I mean, should we feel like we've been validated? Because if you're not coming to me like Nicodemus by night and asking me how you can be born again. I mean, I want, you should be coming to me and saying, well, now how does this born again thing work? I, mm. This is what I really want to know. See, you don't call me to parties to talk to me about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't call me to the Grammys to sit beside you, talk to me about, to talk to you about the born again experience. Mm. Now you might call me to talk about, you know, a moral hang up that you're having and, you know, yeah. I can, I can just kind of counsel you through it. But if we're talking about real supernatural change transformation Transformation. of heart and mind through jesus christ those kind of conversations don't happen there i don't think i mean they could but i just don't think they have i mean i I wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that that there are inklings and sprinklings of those kinds of conversations that may happen uh with people who who actually walk in the light but I think you hit on something that is truly, it's got me thinking. <laughs> it does. You hit on something where you say, you know, no disciple is going to be above his teacher. And the only way I could be, the only way I could escape the same fate as my teacher is to stop following his teaching. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. If I'm if I'm gonna stay with him, then he's told me your destiny is this. He's told me that <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be like me. They're gonna talk about you. They're gonna ridicule you. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus, you know, people will say, well, Jesus, you know, he was a friend of sinners. Jesus forgave sinners. Jesus was not offended by their sin, because well, first of all, everybody was a sinner. Uh, the Pharisees were sinners. Mm, there was no born again experience. There was no born again <laughs> I mean, experience you know? at all. Nobody like, was born again. Yeah. The whole world was sin. Yeah. Everything 
top to bottom and all the way through the middle. So there were the sanctimonious, but yes. no sanctified. Amen. There were, there, you know, there were people who thought they were something, but everybody was a sinner. But Jesus had compassion and love, but it was always crystal clear. He was there for transformation, mm-hmm. not to integrate into their world as though if befriending them would cause them to like him. Mm-hmm. You see, and that's, I think, that's, that's the linchpin. We are sometimes, if we're not careful, being witnesses for ourselves and not witnesses for him. Mm-hmm. In, that, in that we are attempting to endear ourselves to the culture. Yeah. Right? Instead of uh, trying to get the culture to see their necessity of him mm-hmm. right, and for him. Mm-hmm. And so this puts us in a real pickle because it's really this... It's the battle like you just presented between teacher and disciple. Like um, the teacher has set a destiny for me that I may not like. He's told me, yeah. he's told me I'm gonna be like him, and I see what's going on with him. And much like the disciples, there were things they didn't want to follow him all the way to and into. They there were things that, that made them step back. You see what Peter did when Jesus was being persecuted and, and he was he was about to be crucified and Jesus denies I mean Peter denies him. You see what Judas did, you see what the disciples went and hid. Mm-hmm. I mean the reason why <clears throat> Mary and Martha were at the tomb is because the men were inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were frightened. They were scared. They weren't in there praying. <laughs> They were in there hiding. Yeah. There, was, there was a palpable fear surrounding them after what they just witnessed and what just happened. And you understand why. Right? Well, yeah, because no we're doubt. Still, we were disciples of his too. Are they going to come after us oh, too? Exactly. You know? They are thinking about themselves. Yeah. And this is where we, this is it. This is where we, when it comes to imparting into culture, we're going to have to decide whether we are for ourselves or we're for our master. Right? That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Are we imparting for him? Or, or are we looking out now for us? Have we taken the whole message of purpose and destiny and, and God's assignment and plan and made it a self serving philosophy? Yeah. Right? Instead yeah. of it being a missional philosophy and that I am on a mission for him. This is for him. So it has nothing to do with me. It's all about him and the ability to impart his values into a sinking ship, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right, into a dying culture. And if we keep that first and foremost, I think we are allowed to, God will empower us to have influence in ways that we think we can't. Right. Right. We think we almost have to compromise a little or there's something we got to do. No, we don't. The influence is in distinction. It is never in sameness. Never in sameness. It is never in blending. It is never in assimilation. It, that is how you lose savor. That is how you lose influence because you, you become a part of something that nobody has to sit around and listen to you about anything over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of like, wow, it's the same thing. You, you mean, at the beginning, it starts off like, well, you know, I feel like you feel I'm a human just like you. Well, duh, I think I got that already. You didn't even have to tell me that. That was so deep. That no, was I deep. mean, that was like, yeah, like I needed, I needed to go meditate on that one. <laughs> no, you, no human, I got that. But it starts off with this attempt at the ability to relate. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But as we continue to relate, 
we feel the need that if we expose enough of our humanity, then we have this common common ground to gather together upon. Then now I can now share my faith with you. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem, the pickle. The moment I share my faith, my faith is not one that affirms my humanity. My faith is one that delivers me from it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Jesus doesn't come to make us more human. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't come to validate human humanity, mm-hmm. our humus, the, the humanity, the, the, as the scripture, that's what the, the dust of the ground is humus, yeah. right? The, the, the part of us that is carnal, fleshy, earthly, mm-hmm. he doesn't come to validate that. The gospel is supernatural. He comes to redeem dead spiritual men yeah. and bring, the, bring us into spiritual new birth and new life. So the moment... I share the connection, which is based upon human connection, human commonality, uh, which, once again, shouldn't need anything deep to realize because we're both sitting here walking around in flesh. Mm-hmm. But the moment that is established, when I share the gospel now, I'm about to take us from human to the supernatural. Yeah. I'm about to take us to a point where the addictions are broken. Mm-hmm. I'm about to take us to a point where the joy is real. Mm -hmm. I'm about to take us to a place where the Holy Ghost is real, where gifts, power, manifestations of his are real. We're not staying human at the human level only. We're going to let me let me backtrack because you know how people are nowadays. We're human. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing you have to explain this stuff to people. We're saved androids. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're human beings. We were made that way. But we're talking about the gospel and what it speaks to. It speaks to elevating the human being into spiritual reality, into God's original intent for man, that he would live above the works of the flesh. That he would not be bound by the devil. That we wouldn't be bound by the flesh and its dictates. So if I've made my connection what is human, then I share something that is superhuman, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Now I'm in a dilemma with the person. Because my connection is solely based on not really introducing that. Right. Right? Instead of leading out with the fact that, yes, I'm human, but let me show you the great escape, yeah, right? And let me show you what Christ offers us in this mess Mm -hmm. of an experience we have here on this earth. Mm -hmm. And I want to make that firm and clear at the outset. Yeah, I'm not going to try to be clever, right? And I'm not going to try to hedge because I'm thinking about me because I want to kind of get into the in crowd, right? Mm -hmm. And once we do that, we will find that there is more influence there. There is the Nicodemus by night. Uh, yeah. example. Yeah. Where here this man is, he's a part of a group of people that are very, very well to do in terms of their reputation, and they, they, they're the ones with the influence, yeah. right? But they're watching Jesus, and they're seeing him do things, and they're like, man, can't nobody do that except God be with him. But that's also the difference between Christianity and all other things, all other iterations all other practices that people want to put forward. Mm. People are okay to come to the table and say, I can appreciate the teachings of Jesus, Mm. right? Because they give us some type of moral compass as to, you know, I should treat people the way that I want to be treated. 
you know, I should, I should do the right thing by my parents. I should love them, respect them. And these are things that we can use in society. So there's some good there, and I don't mind adopting that. Yeah. But as soon as we talk about a born again... That's the linchpin. Well, wait a minute now. That, that's, that's supernatural, because now you're telling me I'm not who I used to be, mm-hmm. right? And, and that, only happens, that only happens through this confession of faith. Right. And through me saying, not only do I appreciate what Jesus has said, I know that what he has said is truth. Mm. And so now that truth is 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 invited to come in and change my life and the foundations of my life, because there are things that I'm living. The values, the values that I'm living by that I have taken in as truth that are now going to be superseded and removed Mm -hmm. because I'm going to take in this this Jesus and I'm going to allow him to be Lord. Mm. And I think that's exactly where we're missing it in society because we're we're okay to just sort of say, well, we can give you a little bit of Jesus. We can mm. sing songs. We're very nice. We don't bite. We will invite you back <laughs> for snacks. We do want everybody <laughs> to come in and feel welcome. You are welcomed here. Um, yeah. But then once we've said that and we've done that, yeah. we say, but we're not going to talk about that supernatural part that that makes this entire book Everything that, that it is, that is. <laughs> that's it. We're gonna leave that on the table. We're gonna leave that alone. You know what I mean? And I then not only that, that part, the, the, <laughs> that is so good. God, that is so good, babe. But not only that part, but knowing that that supernatural new birth then also causes now a death. Yes. To the old self. Oh, ouch! No, a discarding of old stuff. Yeah. That and, and you know, and this is the thing, people. We have done, and this is this is a real concern I have. And just hear me out, audience, hear me out, sweetheart, hear me out. But this is a real concern I have, and and I pray for myself, and I go before my father about this all the time. Well, periodically, I don't think I do it all the time, but periodically I do. I am concerned that there are people that are going to go to hell because of preaching. Mm. And I know that's a real sobering moment, and that's why I'm not, I'm I'm just going to let it sit. I'm concerned people are going to be preached into hell because we are unwilling to do what you just did. We we you know <laughs> it was like Bill Cosby telling Dabness when Dabness was <laughs> when he was talking about good. being the the the, the uh, custodian on He's that lawnmower head of head of head of maintenance in that Make episode right. and he was talking about the begonia beds and mm-hmm. he would and he was talking about his house and Bill was like I want you to treat this house like that begonia bed you you can go all around you just go all around like I felt like we are open to teach all around that. Wow. In the gospel, yeah. we'll just we'll we'll give you everything, like you said. We'll preach all of the niceties mm-hmm. of the kingdom, mm-hmm. all of the decorum mm-hmm. of the kingdom, but we won't teach the new birth out of which that decorum grows. Yes, right. Because it's not because you you don't come to Jesus to adopt his teachings. You come to him to be born again. Absolutely. Now this must be understood, child of Absolutely. God. You come to be born again. You are dead spiritually when you're in sin. Hmm. When you're a sinner, you are spiritually dead, disconnected, separated from a loving God. And you must, Nicodemus, 
be born again. This isn't, you can't inquire about Jesus' teachings because, yeah, we have to admit he was a very masterful and esoteric teacher. He was very erudite and, you know, <laughs> and he, he said some things that really rival that of the Dalai Lama and the, the Hare Krishnas and all of the other uh, self-styled philosophers of our times. He really said a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. No, that's not why he came. Right. The Bible says he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, one of which was the facilitation of spiritual death in mankind. So he came to give man opportunity for new birth. And if we don't stand for that, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. We will will put ourselves in the position to fulfill the scripture in Matthew 7 where he talks about, and they will stand before me that day and say, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name? Didn't we preach inspired, what prophecy means? Didn't we lay hands on the sick? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do wonderful works, right? But we would not give people what gave them entrance into the kingdom. Absolutely. Right? We wouldn't Absolutely. give them that thing that transforms, that changes, yeah. because we were too concerned with ourselves and endearing ourselves to culture. Mm -hmm. And this is why discussions like this are so important. Am I saying or my wife saying that we know everything we need to know about this subject? No. Mm -hmm. But what we are saying is that we in our own spirits and through our own relationship with God and the truth of his word revealed, there is a concern Mm -hmm. that we're going all around it. And we're content to stay all around it. And when we stand before Jesus, there is not a building I build, there's not a record I sell, there's not a book I've written, there is not a thing I've done that has been in glory to me that is going (laughs) to translate on that day. I will be held accountable for what it is he asked of me to do. And with that sobriety, we approach culture to impart his values, to stand our ground on truths that the culture may feel is hard. They don't have the spirit of God in them, so of course they're not going to see it. But it's our job to stand firm and make clear distinction so that the spirit of God can do his work on them to see it. Amen. Right? And that's the part of being salt And you have the Holy Ghost at work in the earth with the church who won't partner with him. (laughs) He's at work in the earth, but he needs the church to be that clear line of distinction, that clear representation by which to show the believer to, so that when he brings them into the house and into connection with a member of the body, our message is clear. Our message is strong, and it's love but it's love that rescues. And can I just say, too, we're not saying that every church should sound the same. No. And God, do the no. same thing and, and be the same. But the, Don't even have the same the, calling. Absolutely. But the, but the central message of what we've all been called to do is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? And that gospel is that you don't have to be disconnected from God any longer, that he's called you back to your original state, Mm -hmm. right? That he wants you to get back to Eden 
And the way that you do that is by the born again experience. And it's going to change the trajectory of your life. But yeah. we don't change that by simply saying, well, if you could just put down the smoking and the cussing and the, the things that we feel like we can control in our flesh, right? That mm -hmm. if, I, if I have a couple of sayings, I say these every morning, God, you know, grant me the serenity. Now, I'm not saying anything against those prayers. <laughs> but no. what I'm saying is that he has left us a helper called the Holy Spirit who's here to abide with us, to remind us of the things that Jesus has said, and then also to tell us of things to come. So mm. everything that I need about this life has already been imparted by my receipt of that born-again experience and the impartation of the Holy Ghost. Mm. So now I am empowered to win. I'm empowered to overcome. I'm empowered to succeed in life. Yes. Right? And to get before him and know that I've done what he told me to do because yes. I was listening to the one that he sent to help me do it. That's right. Boom. Good. <laughs> That's right. The number you know? Yeah, absolutely. Good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. I love when you get exclamatory. <laughs> you, the stuff you like. But yeah. that's no, but that's absolutely the truth, sweetheart. That's absolutely the truth. And like I said, this comes out of a heart of just love and concern, compassion, because I, I see you you see it. Everybody sees it. I I don't think this is foreign to anybody. I mean, people are looking out at the world and the culture and the the culture of the body of Christ and the church, and people are just kind of like, hmm, hmm, and, and everybody's questioning, and everybody's and no, but nobody won't say anything because they're like, I don't, you know, everybody feels as though to say something in some kind of way is being judgmental or so forth and so on. But no, no, no. There are things we must do out of compassion and love because love, we have to always remember this, love is who gave us the standard. Amen. Love spoke the truth. Love gave us what we're to live by. So if we stay with what he gave us, we stay with love. Yeah. Love is not a feeling. Love is not, uh, love is not something that it's goosebumps because we share a certain amount of fellowship with one another. That's not love. Love is a person. And when love speaks, we follow what he says. And when we follow what love says, we follow love. It's really that simple. And so this, if we didn't even get to what we were going to talk what about. What we were really going to talk about. <laughs> I was wondering. Y'all yeah, may not believe it, but we didn't. <laughs> we, 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 didn't we didn't get into it, what we were really going to talk about, but it really sets it up to talk about it. Because when the church, when the church imparts its values, when the body of Christ imparts the values of the kingdom of God into the culture, right, now we have a, a standard by which to talk about the things we're actually going to talk about because, and we'll have to get into that on another mm -hmm. podcast because right now we've been on here for, for our time and we're going to, we're going to step off. But my prayer for you is this child of God, that you in the midst of these times that undoubtedly are challenging, undoubtedly they are sometimes confusing, um, that your anchor would hold that you would drop anchor on thus saith the Lord and not be moved because our influence truly comes from our distinction and our ability to stand on the truth and the clarity that we have in our understanding of who God is and who he says uh, he is and what his truth says. And so my prayer for you is courage. My prayer for you in this day and age is boldness. My prayer for you is for you to be able to stand boldly. Because a lot of times, a lot of really good people find themselves jammed in culture. Mm -hmm. 
not because they don't know the truth, or but sometimes we come out as the church and we, you know, we got all of these sites now and all of these channels and platforms now where people sit around and nitpick and critique people and talk about how this pastor isn't of the faith and this one isn't this and this one isn't that. And none of that stuff is beneficial. None of that stuff is, is right. We shouldn't be doing that publicly in front of the whole world, whole cotton-picking world. And then wonder why people kind of sit back and look at the faith. <laughs> and we sit here and we, we continually poke holes in people's lives. Uh, I don't believe that that's, that's the way to go about doing things. But even with all of that, we've got to learn how to stand our ground. And we've got to learn how to stand our ground on the truth. And so in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on, in the midst of all that we're seeing, child of God, take God word, God's word, take him at his word, and stand on it. Never move, never budge, and a lot of good people get jammed because they just don't have that courage. You have to reach down and find that boldness because it's in you. The lion of the tribe of Judah is in you. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, sound mind. You can stand with a sound mind in the midst of a very, very volatile culture Amen. and impart the values of the kingdom. And that's my prayer for you. So until next time, God bless you guys. Thank you all for tuning in for another episode of the One Word Podcast. Listen, if you enjoyed this podcast and it was a blessing to you and there were some things that were spoken or said that you believe need to be points of discussion or you want someone else to hear, share it with them. Not only that, go ahead, if you haven't, subscribe to our YouTube channel there on YouTube at Christ Nation Church. You can also subscribe or follow us, I should say, on our Facebook page as well where these podcasts are broadcast. And so... Until next time, we love you, God bless you, go in the strength and the courage of God.